Philippians 3, we've been walking through the book of Philippians and uh, um, the last thing that we saw in Philippians was actually uh, two weeks ago. But remember Paul was talking about how he, he, he talked about all his righteousness. He li- kind of listed all his works. He listed all his religious stuff that he had done. You know, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. And according to the guys listening to him, the guys who said that, you know, you had to do this, that, and the other to uh, be right with God, Paul would have been, he would have been uh, uh, head and shoulders above all the rest based on all that he had done, all the good works that he had done. We saw that before. But remember, he said they were all dung. He basically just wadded them up and threw them in the trash. He said, I count all these things as dung so that I might win Christ. Christ, remember what he said, and be found in his righteousness, not having a righteousness of my own. And then last week, we kind of hit on that again to show you that we don't put God in our debt when we work, when we do, when we do the things that we're called to do. God doesn't owe you and I anything. He doesn't owe us anything for all for worshiping him, him or praising him or being obedient to him. Those are things that are supposed to be done. So we hit on that today as we uh, look at we look at the rest of the text here in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 12. We're going to talk about uh, the other side of the coin. We're going, to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about striving to know him. We're going to talk about striving and straining after the goal of what it is that we're doing here in this Christian life. Paul had a, he had a trade-off going on. We saw that before where basically he told them, I traded all my good works, I traded all my religion, I traded all my stuff that uh, would other people, maybe the world will point to and say, wow, you're a great person, you're a, you know, God is surely pleased with you because of all you've done. He said, I traded all that to know Christ. And uh, his goal now is just to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I, I, I've traded all that. I've traded those rags that I thought were riches for actual riches in Christ. I've traded them away. Now, to a Philippian listening to this, hearing this letter that Paul has sent them, it may sound like Paul's saying, I traded all that righteousness and now I'm perfect in my, pra- in my walk, in my life, because I come to know Christ. Basically, what it might have sounded like was Paul saying, Paul standing up before them and saying, Hey guys, now that I know Christ, I'm perfectly sinless. I'm perfectly sinless. I'm perfectly righteous. Uh, I don't have to worry about anything anymore. I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I have everything I need. I'm, I have arrived. You ever met anybody like that? Oh boy, I have arrived. You just need to be just like me. If you're just like me, everything's fine because I don't have any sin whatsoever. Uh, regardless, you know, of course, you, you guys are all I'm looking around. Y'all, have, y'all are here. Y'all have been here. and Y'all been under the, the, uh, the pastoring and the teaching of Brother Eddie in the Christ Church here. And so none of y'all would probably say that. But re- there are people that do think that. I mean, actually think that. Actually think, you know, I haven't sinned in six, eight months. You know, I haven't sinned in three years. I, my, my life is such now that I don't sin anymore. And usually I just want to say, well, let me ask your wife. <laughs> Let's see what she says. Uh, but anyway, there's people like that. But the, more to the point of us, we have a tendency to fall into the mindset of thinking that on, on one hand, it, it's kind of a balancing act in this Christian life. On the one hand, you could fall into the ditch of thinking, you know, we're striving. We're going to talk about that today. Striving for the goal, straining to reach the prize. On the one hand, you could think, 
man, I have, I'm striving to be right with God. I'm striving so God will accept me. I'm striving. That's one ditch that you fall in. That's not the gospel. And then the other side of the ditch is, well, since I've been made perfect in Christ and Christ is all my righteousness, I'll just sit down and relax and wait for the bus to come get me to heaven. That's the other ditch that you fall into. That's not the gospel either. That's not the gospel either. And so what, Paul, what we're going to see here is that it's easy to slip off into this mindset. It's easy for us to slip off into uh, getting out of balance in our Christian life. I want you to hear this. Before I even read anything, we're going to talk about what Paul said. But you need to understand the balance of the Christian life. On the one hand, you have been perfected in the eyes of the Father by nothing more than what Jesus has done. There's nothing more to add to it. There's nothing that you can do to make it better. There's nothing you can do to maintain it. It has been perfected. He is before God right now interceding for you with his blood. He has made you in the eyes of the Father acceptable, blameless, holy. All those adjectives we can point to in scripture. He will present you blameless and pure before God. Perfect. But on the other hand... You and I still live in this fallen world. We still live in flesh and you aren't perfect in your practice, in your walk. You aren't perfect in your knowledge of God. When I say knowledge, I'm not talking about just what's up here, facts and figures. I'm talking about your relationship in knowing God, in knowing Christ. You're not perfect in that. You're striving for it. It has, Paul's going to say, it has got a hold of me. So I'm chasing it down. I'm chasing this thing. This is what I want. This is the purpose of my life. Make no mistake. You have a purpose to your life. You have a goal that you're seeking after, even if you don't realize what it is. Dana and I used to do, uh, I guess we still do, but nobody's taking us up on it in a while. But we used to do this financial counseling deal where we get you on a budget and we, uh, you know, get everything uh, situated. What's coming in your house, you know, family's house, what's going out, you know, uh, all these kind of things. And uh, one of the things you can always, always tell was what was most important to them? What was most important to them? Because when if you don't, if you're not on a budget, if you're not, your family's not on a budget you're not seeing exactly what's going out and what's coming in. You don't realize, I mean, you would see the shock on people's faces. Like I spend that much money on Walmart every month. I spend that much on grocery. I never even realized that you can tell what somebody's love is, what somebody's purpose is, what somebody's not just money though. But if you, if you took your time, the hours of your day, Every day and you line them up and you see what did I give this time to this time to you can see what somebody's purpose, what somebody's goal is. And so what we're going to see here is that uh, Paul is going to tell us, look, in this Christian life, this is not something that we just lay back. And this is something that we strive after. And we're going to strive after knowing Christ because our heart's been changed. I know I've said Probably 25 things that don't relate to each other. Let me just read it and we'll get started and I'll show you exactly what I mean. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 12. I'm going to read 12 through 16 and then we'll talk about it. It says, remember the last thing that he said was, I have given up all these works. I've thrown thrown them all away, counted them as dung, so that I may know Christ in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death. Last thing he said, the last time we were here, verse 11 says... If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And then he goes in verse 12. 
not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may be apprehend, I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, he's like grabbing your face right here saying, brothers, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, talking to all of us, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything you be otherwise minded, I love that God will reveal it unto you. He says, nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Paul wants to clear it up right at the beginning. Verse 12, he says, it's not that I've already attained this thing. It's not, that, it's not that I'm sinless now and I'm perfect and I know Christ exactly as a, a, a perfect relationship with Jesus, a perfect relationship with God. He said, I haven't attained it yet. It's not that I'm perfect. He said, don't think because I have traded all my righteousness for the righteousness that comes in Christ that now I'm sitting on easy street. I'm laid back in my recliner. I'm just hanging out, you know, not having to do anything. He said, I haven't attained the goal from wh- for which I'm seeking. I haven't attained the goal for which my heart longs and desires. He said, I'm still pressing for it. That word follow after. Sometimes when you say the word follow, you're thinking like a kid would just follow his mom. You know, he's following him through the mall, kicking his feet. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about chasing this thing down. The, The picture he's using is like a runner. That is running a race and he's straining. You ever seen them right before they cross the finish line? They're like, put their chest out and trying to get the, you know, whatever, whatever body part crosses the finish line first. That makes you, that allows you to win. That's the picture that he's showing. He's straining every muscle in his body to reach this goal. He says, I haven't attained it. I'm not perfect. I'm not sinless. I'm not like Christ yet. He says, I don't know Christ perfectly. Remember, he said that was his desire was to know him. To know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. He said, I have not attained that yet. I'm not there yet. He says, you know, his goal has changed. Now think about this a moment. His goal was once to work and strive to be right with God. To work to be, you know, the Hebrew of Hebrews, zealous for the law. His goal was to make himself right with God. But his goal now has changed. His goal is not to make himself right with God. That has been done in Christ. He said, I traded all of that away so that I may be found in Christ having his righteousness. And now his goal is not to make himself right with God. His goal is to know Christ, to know him more. To grow in him, to know him. When I say know him, I'm talking about being in relationship with him. He is chasing this thing down. And you need to make sure you understand the balance of the Christian life that we're talking about right here. He says, I am trying to apprehend. That means take a hold of. When you, like a cop, would apprehend a criminal. You grab hold of this thing. He says, I am trying to grab hold of the thing that has grabbed hold of me. So understand what he's saying. There's a balance there. You you remember when Christ grabbed hold of Paul, when he apprehended Paul, so to speak? It was on a Damascus road. He, he, He was on his way. Paul was pursuing the church. 
He was pursuing to persecute believers. He was, he was going in to, to arrest believers and, and murder them and, and persecute them. And all of a sudden, you know the story, Jesus came and appeared to Paul on the Damascus Road and everything stopped. Paul, it wasn't very pleasant for him, I'm sure. He knocked him off his donkey or knocked him off his feet if he was walking. He, he knocked him to the ground and he says, what are you doing? And Paul, Saul said, who are you, Lord? He said, it's Jesus who you're persecuting. And from that moment, three days, three days, he was blind. He went to Damascus. God sent a man named Ananias to lay hands on him. And God told Ananias to tell Saul, he said, I have chosen him as a vessel to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And he said, and I'll show him how much he must suffer in my name. And so Paul was apprehended by this thing. He was transformed. He was changed by the gospel. He was changed by the power of Christ. And from that moment, God, uh, Paul didn't seek anymore to, to make himself right with God. He wasn't working anymore to make himself righteous. He was already righteous. This thing had apprehended him. But now his desire has changed. Now he is trying to apprehend that which has already apprehended him. Make, make sure you understand that because there's a balance in the Christian life. You are perfect and righteous in Christ because of what, he done, what he's done. But that righteousness that changes your heart, apprehends you, changes you and transforms you into a new creature, that will cause you from the day, from the day you're saved to the day you die to be chasing down this knowledge of Christ, this this. this relationship with Christ. It becomes the purpose of your life. It becomes the goal for which everything else falls under. You are striving to know him, striving to love him. It's like someone that you love. This is probably not a great example, but somebody that you love, you are just trying to get to them. You just want to be with them, want to spend time with them. I use that example all the time about kids being in love on the phone. You know, they, they just want to be around each other. They want to, you know, doesn't matter what they do. You know, you call me and I want to know what you want, when I need to do it and when I need to be there. And then I'm getting off the phone. They want to stay on the phone for three hours and talk about absolutely nothing. They just want to be, they just want to be around each other, want to hear each other's voice, whatever. Paul's saying, I'm striving to get a hold. He said, I am not perfect. I'm not sinless. I don't know. In uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, he says, now I know only in part. This is Paul speaking. He said, but then he said on that day, he said, I'm going to know as I am known. He says, I'm chasing down that thing. I don't know if I'm explaining that just right. But understand what he's saying. He's saying there's a balance between this Christian life. He's given away all his righteousness. He's taken the righteousness of Christ. Now there's a balance that's struck. On the one hand, you're perfect in Christ. Because if you don't understand this, everything in your life gets messed up. Everything. Because you'll start striving. You'll take what I'm saying today and you'll say, well, now we read it in Scripture. Uh, Brother Jason said, you know, he gave us a message about striving. So I'm going to start striving real as hard as I can so that God will accept me. You've missed the point. You've missed the gospel. That's not the gospel. You've fallen into the ditch. And none of us would probably ever say, oh, I need to strive so that I'm right before God. But don't it feel like that? 
It feels like we slip into that. We slip into that mindset that if I don't do all of these things, God's not going to accept me anymore. When the reality is that he has made you perfect in Christ, he's accepted us perfectly. But on the other hand, there's a there's a burning down inside of us. There's a desire in us. There's a desire to know him, to to be in fellowship with him. There's a desire for his presence. There's this saying that goes around and I'm not going to bash the saying because it's true in some in some places. It says, let go and let God. Y'all heard that before? Now, in some I understand the saying in some instances, that's true. You know, you you can't do anything for your salvation. You just let go and you let God save you. You can't do anything when you're going through trials or, or things that you worry about. God's in control. You just need to let go. So I'm not bashing the whole thing. But when it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to growing in Christ, when it comes to seeking after him, nothing could be further than the truth than that. Paul does not present the Christian life as just lay back and let go. It's going to happen to you eventually. He presents it as a race. You're striving for that, straining for it, running after it. He presents it as a boxing match. He says, I don't beat as one against the air. He says, I beat my body into subjection daily. He presents it as a war. He says to endure as a good soldier and to fight the good fight. He presents these things as something that we are striving and straining and putting all of our energy into. It's not just let go and let God. That's not how you grow in Christ. But today we live, and I do too, and it's easy for me to start thinking this way. We live in the fast food, make it easy, I want it right now uh, time. If it's not, if it's hard, if it's something I have to strive for, struggle for, I don't want to do it. You know, I'm, I'm ready to tap out when it gets difficult. When it gets hard, you know, it's like uh, Brother Eddie preached on Jacob the other day about grabbing hold of, of God when he said, I, I just will not let you go. He said he was strained and struggling with God in Genesis 32. He grabbed hold. He said, I will not let you go. And he didn't win. You know, the part in there says that he prevailed against him. That doesn't mean he struggled with God and won. Actually, he lost. He was he was holding on to God in defeat because remember, God touched his hip, broke his hip or dislocated his hip. And he walked with a limp the rest of his life and he couldn't move anymore. So the only thing he could do was grab hold of God and said, I just can't let you go. I can't let you go until you bless me. When's the last time we've done that? When's the last time you stayed up all night praying to God? God, I'm not leaving this place until I hear from you. I'm not leaving until I'm not leaving until I get to see your presence. I'm I'm not when I say that, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not leaving here until you speak to me through your word or you speak to me and to my circumstances. You 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 uh, speak to me in such a way that I know that you're with me. That's what I'm wanting. It's not that I'm saying, oh, God, you got to speak to me because I need to I need to hear your voice in my ear. It's, oh, God, I want to be in your presence. I'm not leaving until I can worship you in your presence. I'm not leaving here. Come, there's going to be a lot of people that come in on, in 1030 service. And we've got, you know, I had to reset all the stuff Wednesday night, all the music, because it had gotten messed up from the, 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 the kids program when we changed everything and we didn't change it back. And so I reset all that and we had a great, you know, the Holy Spirit was here in, in service Wednesday. And so I checked it again this morning and we're going to come and we've prepared, we've prepared ourselves to worship. We're really not going to worship unless the Holy Spirit comes, but he said we're two or three more, you know, I'm trying to correct all these things I'm saying, but you understand what I mean. But there's going to be people that come in. We've prepared ourselves to worship at 1030. 
But there's going to be people that come in that their, their minds aren't on worship. You know, they, and, and to be honest, there's times that I've come in. My mind's not on worship. My mind's not on God. I've got too many things going on. I got stuff with the stuff with the family, stuff with the job, stuff with the school, stuff in my own personal life, worries about health, worries about time, worries about, you know, all kind of things go on. But we come with the mindset that I'm going to grab hold of him. I, I don't care what's going on. I don't care what's happening. I'm going to I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to fight to know Christ. That's what he's saying. He says, I haven't attained it yet. He says, but I'm going to apprehend. I'm going to, I'm going to strive. I'm going to follow after. I'm going to press into this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to follow hard after him and apprehend, try to apprehend what has apprehended me. He says, he says, uh, he says, you have to put in the effort. I know that's kind of weird. That's why I started off by saying you have to have this balance in the Christian life. You don't work to be accepted, but you don't grow without striving. You understand? Does that make sense? Maybe that's a good way to put it. You don't grow in Christ without striving, without straining. And believe me, it's hard. The devil's number one tool in, in the, the believer's life. He can't do nothing about your salvation. He can't do nothing about who you are in Christ. He can't, can't do anything about what Jesus has done for you. But his tool, man, he would love to distract you from growing in Christ. He would love to get you busy. He would love to get you focused on something else. He would love to get you unsatisfied. So you push off in another direction. Maybe this is not where my purpose should be. Maybe I should point in another direction. He would love to do those things. Paul says, I'm look, I'm, I'm focused on this one thing. That's what he's going to say in a minute. So striving to grow in Christ. I'm going to tell you how Paul's going to tell you how that we do it and what it looks like. And then we'll, then we'll go. We'll get, re- we'll get ready for breakfast. He says, what this thing looks like. What does it mean to strive? What does it mean to follow after so I can apprehend that which I have been apprehended of? He's, this is what it looks like. Verse 13 and 14. He says, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting all those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The first thing I, the first thing I see in these verses is Paul says, I'm never satisfied. If a man could be satisfied with, with who he is and what, what he's done in Christ, it would have been Paul. I mean, he's done more than any of all, all of us put together. He did more than probably anybody else in scripture. He says, I'm not, I don't count myself to have already apprehended this guy. 25, by the time he wrote this, it had been 25 years. He had been a Christian. He had been starting churches. He had been encouraging the brethren. He had been preaching to people to, that no one else on the planet has ever preached to. It was God working through this man that Christianity actually spread through the Roman Empire. Of course, there were others, but we have him in Scripture. We're fo- we follow him from, from Acts chapter 11 on through the end of Acts and see his journeys and the churches he started and the ministry that he involved himself in. But still, after all this, I mean, he, remember, he's sitting in prison as he's writing this, and we don't know. He didn't know at the time whether he'd ever get out. For him, he might be looking and saying, you know, 
this might be the end. This might be the end right here where I get executed. And he was saying, look, I'm still striving for the goal. He says, I don't even at this point as I'm in jail and it's possible that I could be executed and I've done everything I'm going to do when it comes to going and being a missionary and starting churches and all those things. He says, I still don't count myself to have apprehended this thing yet. He's not satisfied with where he is. That's kind of a good thing. It's a good thing to not be satisfied with where you are in Christ. When you get satisfied with your relationship with Christ, you know what I, you know what I mean when I say that. Keep it in balance. I'm not talking about your righteousness before God. I'm talking about your growth in Christ and who you are, your Christian life. When you when you get satisfied, what happens? You stop You stop working. You stop striving. You stop reaching for this goal. I'm pretty good. I'm going to stay right where I'm at. I always tell, you know, that's the stupidest thing you could ever say to somebody when they've lost something. And I, the reason why I know this is because I lose stuff all the time. I lose my keys, lose my socks, lose my whatever. The dumbest thing you could ever say to somebody is, well, where's the last place that you had it? (laughs) I don't know where I had it. If I knew that, that's where I'd be looking. And it's always in the last place you look is where you find it. But what I'm saying here is you don't you're not satisfied. And it's a good thing. You embrace the fact. I'm glad that I'm not satisfied. I'm glad that I'm not satisfied with where I am in Christ. I did a youth thing. We had a lock in one time and uh, there were there were a lot of youth here. This was years ago. These youth kind of I don't know how the best way to put it. They a lot of them perceive themselves to be more spiritual than everybody else. And so, you know, we, I can work through that. I can work through anything. I can work through the whatever because I, there was a time where I thought I was somebody. I was the thing. But anyway, the point is what I did was I had a camera and, you know, we were playing volleyball. We we're doing all the things that you do at lock-ins and having fun games, all that kind of stuff. And one by one, I took them into the youth room there and I filmed them. And I asked them like this survey questions, you know, uh, what do you know about this? Who are, you know, what does Christ mean to you? Just all these questions. One of the questions I asked them was on a scale from one to 10, where would you rate your closeness, your relationship with God, with Christ? And every one of them, not just the spiritual ones, but every one of them, except for one, all was up in the eight, nines and tens. I mean, you would think, boy, I am doing a really good job. They are all, they're all in the 10, the 8 and the 9. They're they doing good with God, I guess. Uh, of course, ain't none of them in church today. But, uh, anyway, uh, the, but there was all 8, 9, and 10. And there was this one young man. He's still a good friend of mine. We still talk all the time. He's, this was years ago. Uh, he is, he's, he's a very spiritual person. I mean, very spirit. When I say spiritual, he's seeking after God. He understands righteousness, all that kind of stuff. And this guy, I'm expecting, you know, and he come in like two, 1.5, 1.5. You know, he, he understood. He wasn't satisfied with where he was. He wasn't satisfied with his relationship. He said, you know, he knew the same way that we all should that I have, man, I'm, I've got so far to go. I've got so much that needs to be done. I've got so much that the more, the more you get close to God, the more, the, I was going to say the more closer, the closer you get to God, that light that is his holiness is going to reveal more and more sin. 
And then you're going to have more and more things that you have to work on and more and more things you have to repent of, more and more things. So you know what? Getting close to God, it kind of hurts sometimes because it's like when you, when you dust the room, you know, you do, I don't dust anything, but I'm going off what people tell me. When you dust the room and then you open the blinds and the sun comes in, what's, what do you see? It's dust everywhere. Flying around in the air. It's, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. When you get closer and closer to God's light, you, you may think, you know, I've got everything cleaned up. I'm, on, I'm, I'm good. I'm doing good. You get closer and closer to God's light, he's going to reveal more and more of the ugliness that's in you. And that's a good thing. It doesn't feel good because it's sin and we want it gone and I want it out and I want to, re- I want to repent of this. And, I, you know, you end up falling before God and saying, look, I'm sorry for who I am. Sorry for what I've done. But that's him cleaning you. That's him getting that out of you. And what happens is when you tell when you when you're come to Christ and people come through those doors and they come and they want, they want to eat up everything that has to do with Christ. They just want more and more and more. And the closer they get to God, what they're expecting is joy and peace. And you do get that when you understand the gospel, but they're expecting happiness and, and just, you know, not having any worries anymore and everything's good. And then they start seeing this God for who scripture says he is seeing Christ for who he says, who that he says he is. And his perfect holiness starts showing them more and more sin. And what happens? I don't like this. I don't like this at all. This is not what I expected. I wanted happiness and no more worries and all those things. And instead I see ugliness in me and now I got to repent some more and I'm not, I'm not near as far as I thought that I would be. That is what growing in Christ looks like. It hurts. Just like growing. Sophie is, is going through these things where it's usually right at bedtime. So I'm kind of doubting whether it's, you know, she might just be playing us. My legs are hurting, you know, and her mama will always say, well, that's growing pains. Like, I hope it really is because we done told her that every night for the last three weeks. But it's growing pain. It hurts. It hurts when those bones are growing. It hurts when those, you know, you go to working out, doing those things. It hurts when the muscles are growing. It hurts. No pain, no gain. It's the same thing with us. When we grow in Christ, it hurts because what's happening is all the mess has to get out. It hurts. And if you're like me, when... (laughs) I was talking to Cindy and she's doing this boxing class down downtown where they're losing weight and stuff. And they do. I, I don't know what this has to do with boxing, but they do sit ups. They lay down like in front of the bag. They got a big heavy bag. They lay down in front of the heavy bag and they do a sit up and then punch the bag. I'm like, that's not boxing class. That's sit up class. But anyway, they would sit up. And, and I said, you know, we were talking and she said about the about the 20 or the 25th sit up. I'm like, what? What? Like about five, whenever it starts hurting, whenever it starts hurting, that's when I quit. And she says, oh, no, that's when you get the when it starts hurting. Those are the ones that are really working you. Those are the ones that you have to be doing because that's what you're getting the benefit from. And I'm like, well, that's right. When I quit, when it starts hurting is when I'm done. And that's the way our spiritual life is. When it starts hurting, you know, it hurts when you when you fail. It hurts when God points out that this is not right in your life. It hurts when those things. And what do we do? We just, you know, I'm done. Tap out. I'm finished. I'm finished. When the reality is that's Christ growing you. Paul said, look, I am chasing this thing down. 
like a runner would chase the prize. I'm chasing it down and I'm going to try to grab hold of this thing that's grabbed hold of me. And the first thing he says is I do not count myself to have already reached it. I don't count myself to already apprehend it. Even though it looks like it is very possible that this is where my life could end. And I look back on all the years of service and all the things that I've done, all the churches I've started, all the places I went. And I'm sitting here in this Roman prison waiting on my trial. And I still don't count myself to have apprehended this thing. I'm still chasing it down. He says, this is how this is what it looks like to chase it down. He said this one thing. That I do. I'm not going to give you a big long list of things that you need to do in order to grow in Christ. I'm not going to give you this big long list of things you need to do in order to be to be walking after him, following after him. It's one thing, one thing and one thing only. Actually, the one thing is the first part of verse 14. I'm going to read the, the, the last part of 13 describes the one thing. We'll get to it. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth. Unto those things which are before, this is the one thing. In verse 14, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He presses for it. He presses for it means he's chasing it down. He's striving for it. The mark. The mark is to know Christ perfectly. Remember when he said, he said, I've traded all my righteousness all my religious works by Hebrew of Hebrews and zealous for the law. For what? What did he trade it for? That I may know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. That's the goal that he's pointing toward. That's the mark that he's pushing for. So how do I strive for it? How do I press for it? He told us in verse 13. You do two things. You forget what's behind And you focus on what's ahead. But understand, when when you hear that verse, and I've used it a many, many a time, and you have too, what are you thinking of when you say, well, now what's behind you is what's behind you. I forget what's behind you. You want to say all my failures. I put all my failures behind me, and I I look to what's ahead. And that's right. That's what we do. Unless you've got a time machine in your pocket, you can't go back and change nothing. And so he says, I put all those things behind me. But more in the in the context of what he's talking about right here is all the good things, all the works, all the religious stuff, all the service that he's done. He said, I put all that behind me. I don't dwell in the goodness that I've done before. I don't dwell in the fact that, you know, Hey, last week I really helped some folks. I really got to do some wonderful things and God used me. And what I don't dwell in all that stuff I did last week. There was a guy that a friend of mine talked to a guy the other day at the hospital. He said, you having a good day. That's something that we just say. Just start a conversation. You having a good day? He said, of course I'm having a good day. Today's all I got. He said, you ain't got tomorrow and yesterday's already gone. So really the only thing you got is today. He says, forgetting those things that were behind. Paul woke up every day with absolutely nothing on his resume for God. Can you imagine? What if you woke up this morning and you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have never done anything worthy, praiseworthy for God, service to God, never done anything. What if, you, what if you, we thought that way? That's not how we think because we want to think, you know, I'm a really good person. I've done all kinds of stuff. I remember when, you know, I served this way and I've done that way and I've done all these things. But what if you had absolutely nothing today on your resume for God? I mean, absolutely nothing. 
We, we kind of think that way. We stand before God like, I don't have nothing. I don't have nothing. Now, we know that we are in Christ and all that. But I'm just saying, Paul got up every morning. And, of course, God's mercies are new every morning. But his resume for God was wiped clean every morning. Forget all those things that are behind me. Now, remember, he's in, he's in prison. After 25 years of service, this is after he was saved. Before that, he was, you know, persecuting the church and murdering and all that. But he'd been saved 25 years. The whole book of Acts, you can see the ministry, the service, the churches. If there was anybody that could say, look, as far as Christian service, I've done more than all y'all. I don't know what your problem is. Paul said, I woke up this morning chained to this Roman, waiting my trial before Caesar And I've never done anything for God. I don't have anything on my resume. He says, I forget. This is how I press toward the mark. I forget all the stuff that's behind me. And I'm reaching for what's before me. Now, I'm going to give you two excuses that people always give. And I'm going to show you how Paul refutes those. And then we're going to go home. The first thing, the first first objection is, now, you don't understand. I'm, I'm really busy. Or... I just don't have any opportunity. I mean, Paul's Paul and he's a preacher and I don't have any opportunity like that. I'm a, I'm a plumber. I'm an electrician. I'm a school. I go to school. I'm trying to pass college. I'm trying to, you know, you got all these things. I, I, I've got all this stuff in my life. I take care of this, my family and I, I got all this stuff going on. I don't have any opportunity in order to press toward the mark. Let me remind you, Paul was chained to a Roman. He couldn't go anywhere. As far as he knew, they didn't know. I, I think he, he was released, but as far as he knew, he, he was going to die here. And there would never, as far as he knew, there would never be another time where he's traveling and starting churches. There would never be another time when he's standing up in front of a crowd, unless it's at his trial, to preach the gospel. There'd never be another time where he'd be ministering to the saints or whether he'd be going to this church or going to this region that hadn't heard the gospel. As far as he knew, he he was most likely going to die in prison. But yet here today, if he woke up on a Monday in prison, chained to a Roman, he said, today I'm striving. Wherever it is that God has you, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you are, you can strive to know him. You can strive to grow in him. You can have him as the purpose of your life. The other objection, we've got to hurry because we're about to, about to run over time, is I, I hear what you're saying, but it's just not in my personality. You know, I'm just not a very open, outgoing person, but I feel you. I really do. I'm just not like that. I'm just not like, you know, I, it's hard for me to talk to folks. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to... Just uh, invest myself in service. It's hard for me to. It's hard for me to get myself to. I'm just not like that. I'm not that kind of person. If you've been saved, you are that kind of person, and I can prove it. Uh, in verse 15, he says, "Let us therefore, as many as be perfect." He's talking about perfect in Christ. Talking about all of us who know Christ. He says, "Be thus minded." He said, this is how we should be. Let us who've been perfected in Christ be this minded. And I love this. And he said, and if you think otherwise, God's going to show, God will show you. He's going to show you different, that you're wrong, basically. He said, if you think otherwise, 
and you a Christian, you someone the Holy Spirit lives in, God will let you know you're wrong. God will let you know you're wrong. He said, you, God will show this to you. Now, I, I, I love that. I love that. That It's comforting to me. And it's because, see, I'm not going to today. I'm, I'm going to close the service here. It's got three minutes left. I'm not going to I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to try to trick you. I'm not going to play word games with you and I'm not going to guilt trip you. I'm not going to do any of those things to get you to strive after Christ. Because Paul said, if you're a Christian, God's going to show you. He said, you be, be this, what mind it is. He said, let us be thus minded. He said, what mind is it? To press toward Christ, to follow after him, to try to apprehend that thing of which I'm apprehended. He said, let all of us be thus minded. And, you know, if you think I'm wrong, if you think something else is the way that you should be going, I don't really have to worry about it. Because if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you. God's going to show you. God's going to show you. And so the question you need to ask yourself today with me is, what's God showing you? Is he showing you anything? Because if you understand, if you're satisfied with where you are in your religion, if you're satisfied with all your works and all the things that you've done, you don't understand, you know, I used to be this, I used to be that, I used to do this, I used to do that, fine. But if you don't understand what he's saying here, I put all that behind me and I'm pressing toward not talking just about working and serving and go out there and vacuum the floors. I'm talking about knowing Christ. I'm talking about knowing him, working on my relationship with him, working on hearing his voice in the scripture, working on knowing him more. He says, all of us who are perfect, all of us who've been perfected with us minded. He says, and if you ain't, then you're wrong. And the last verse, we'll go. He says, nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained what we have attained. What have we attained? We've attained righteousness and perfection in Christ. He said, he said that, right, that, that what we have attained, he said, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. He said, let's be all in agreement. Now, understand this. He's not saying Hey, guys, let's take a vote and get all in agreement. He's saying, all y'all better agree with me, is what he's saying. He said, all y'all, he said, I'm telling you what God has said. And so all of y'all need to get behind me and follow after with me. Strive after with me. Let us, let us walk in the righteousness that we've already attained through Christ. And let us be in agreement that our goal in life now is to pursue that thing which has apprehended us. To pursue it. When is the last time that you have pursued Christ? When's the last time that you have struggled and strained and, and just got before him and said, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. When I say bless me, I'm not talking about giving me a new car. I'm talking about with your presence. When's the last time are we satisfied? Am I satisfied? Got to tell you, by, by looking at the hours of the day that I spend, and, and I'm not saying you, know, you work eight hours, you sleep eight hours, that really doesn't leave many hours in the day. I'm talking about as you go to work, as you go throughout your day, that you're seeking Christ, praying and straining after Christ, taking moments to read your scripture, taking moments to worship him and revel in his goodness. I take the hours of the day that I'm striving and straining after Christ, I can see as I take a 
inventory of my life that it's really not that important because it doesn't really happen that often. How often do you strain and strive after Christ? Are you trying to apprehend that which you are, have been apprehended by or are you satisfied? That's a dangerous place to be, to be satisfied. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for, um, thank you for showing us who we are in you and the righteousness that we have in you. Thank you for showing us that we, there's no way we can be satisfied. There's 